0: Today's episode is brought to you by Caffeine Gum Australia. Originally created for the US military, Military Energy Gum has now been widely used as a caffeine supplement in elite sports all over the world. It comes in three different flavors in cinnamon, arctic mint and my personal favorite spearmint. And with 100 milligrams of caffeine per piece, it's a really simple, quick, cheap and tasty way of getting your caffeine fix. Check them out at www.caffeinegumaustralia.com. Okay, today's guest is a Super Rugby winner, a Mitre 10 Cup champion, and has won two Shoot Shield titles. He has played Super Rugby for the Waratahs, the Melbourne Rebels, and the Canterbury Crusaders. He represented the Tasman Mako's in the Mitre 10 Cup, and he is, of course, an Eastwood Rugby Club legend. During the chat, we talk about overcoming injuries having a process, and the differences between Australia and New Zealand rugby. Please enjoy this chat with my dear friend, the great Hugh Roach. All right, boom, we're live. Welcome back to the Watering Bear Sports Podcast, the number one sports podcast in the world. Today's very special guest is a Super Rugby winner, Shoot Shield winner, Mitre 10 Cup winner, Hugh Roach. (laughs) I practiced uh, that for ages, and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't yeah. as good as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but
1: that was a good yeah. intro. Good intro. Best podcast in the world, and the moon as well. Best Mate, I'm
0: world. I'm just going to keep saying it till it comes true. How yeah. are you? How are you, bro? Where where? Firstly, where in the world are you at the moment?
1: Yeah, so I've been bouncing around. So I was uh, I was in New Zealand for a little bit. Um, I got injured there just before taking up a contract in London, and sort of got there in London and didn't work out. So I bounced back to Sydney, and then. Did a bit of rehab for my foot in uh, in Sydney, went over to cross to the Crusaders in Canterbury, played a game there, and then bounced back to Australia, and now I'm in Sydney, and then I'm off to the US, so...
0: Beautiful, mate. So you've been ride. a bit of a nomad the last couple of years.
1: A bit, bit of a nomad, yeah, that's true, yeah.
0: Mate, i got, I got a lot I want to talk to you uh, about. Um, unfortunately, most of it's not PG-rated, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that to Saturday.
1: Yep, we will, yep.
0: How did you find 2020? I don't, I don't really like talking about COVID and all that sort of stuff, but what what did you learn from it? How did you find it? And have you had any personal takeaways from it?
1: Yeah. So through 2020, I was actually injured and I was nursing an injury. I broke my foot. Um, so it's a little bone in your in your big toe called the sesamoid. It's only a little pea-sized little thing. Yeah. And um, for a front rower, it's, uh, it's really important. Obviously, with scrummaging, you put all your weight onto that, so... Um, so I was nursing that for quite a while. Um, they told me I need to get surgery for that, but we went the uh, conservative route so we didn't have to get surgery. And, um, but that sort of, that took a long time to come back from. So 2020 for me was pretty lucky. I, I just got to sort of, I got to nurse that and, and get back to, get back to health. And I've sort of been playing footy now for 10 years straight without a break. And, um, you know, being an optimistic, uh, kind of person, you know, it was a good time to, just rest the body, and I had a few niggles in my leg rooms, and the shoulders, and and that sort of thing. So, so how um,
0: you feel, How you feeling now, physically?
1: So I'm feeling really good now. Um, I've had a really good opportunity just to uh, just to recalibrate and start again, and um, work on a few things that I think they were lacking. Um, that you just can't do during during the season. You can't put on strength. You can't put on size because yeah. you know you're always preparing for the next game. So I've had a good good few months just to. You know, put on a bit of size, put on a bit of bulk. I think you know one of my probably issues issues I guess people think might might say I'm not big enough, but I think now I' put on a bit of weight and I've had a good time to do that so unfortunately, I know twenty twenty has been such a terrible year for so many people, especially small business um and people doing that but um yeah, for me personally it's been a bit of a blessing I've had a a good time to relax to reflect on what I've been doing in the last few years and and just recalibrate and um, just go forward with it, which has been good.
0: Yeah. I, I You feel a bit uncomfortable saying that it's been a good year, but...
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: For, for me as well, I, I actually enjoyed 2020. Yeah. Um, not much change. There was a few challenges, but I, I learned more about myself this year than, than a lot of years before that. That's right, yeah. One of, one of the things that I... Like, I obviously talk to you all the time, and one of the things I've noticed that you've done this year is you've... Kind of made the jump to after footy, while you're still playing, by starting your own business. Did you want to talk a bit sure, about yeah. that?
1: Um, I will talk about that. I also, I also just want to plug um, Rupa, the the Union for Australian Rugby. Yeah, so they give out a grant every year. I, I believe it's about five grand for T and E for all the players. And I think that's it's so uh, it's so important for everyone just to have something else to back them. What's and, t-
0: what's T and E? So T and
1: is training and education. So you can use that. So you can do an apprenticeship. You can go to university. You can do whatever you like with the money. Yeah. Um, as long as you're passing the courses, they they'll front the bill for that. I think it's twenty five grand for everyone.
0: Do do um, enough? Is that per player?
1: That's per player. Yeah.
0: So do, per, do do many boys do that, or is it just is that more of an uncommon sort of thing?
1: No, I want to say the majority of people take uh, take that up on something, and if. Yeah. And so they also try and do things where if people aren't using it, they might um, bring someone to come in and do a truck licensing sort of thing and do an apprenticeship and, and the boys will get stuck into that. Like the country boys definitely get stuck into that sort of thing, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so I started in, so around, you know, 2011 is when I first started and I had no aspirations um, to do anything academic or go to uni or do anything. My entire goal like, was to be an athlete and to play. And it took me to 2014 to just sort of sit back and reflect. And you know, there's you can only play for so long. The bubble, the bubble will burst, and it bursts for everyone. So there's you've got to have something to do after that. Yeah. So when I sort of found out this T stuff, I actually enrolled in uni. So I went to Macquarie Uni and I did a business uh, business course there. Which um, you've
0: you've just finished that? Was that only, was it, or... yeah
1: yeah? So I just finished that a um, couple of weeks ago, which is cool. Man, that's uh, awesome. Started in 2014, and oh, I mean, it's not. Uh, it's not when you finish. I guess it's if you finish The so.
0: the Australian Van Walder.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't <laughs> want to leave. It was, it was pretty fun. But um, yeah. So I guess that's the first part of that. But also, um, when I got injured in uh, New Zealand, I went over to London, and um, when they saw my broken foot, they they saw how much pain and sort of anxiety around contracting and negotiations and finding it really hard to sleep and then a lot of pain, inflammation, and um, yeah. Uh, so often the uh. You know, the answer to that is to take a lot of pills, painkillers, sleeping pills. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately for athletes, we get to, as rugby players, get on a plane every week and, and travel somewhere else and it's all la-di-da. Um, but unfortunately, you're going through time zones and you need to take sleeping pills, painkillers, just to re so you can be at your best on game day. And um, for me, I didn't have, I wasn't playing because I was injured, but I was in a shitload of pain. Um, so I found this product, CBD, um, so it's an ext- extraction of marijuana plants, no THC, um, no psychoactive ingredients like so, that. So THC
0: is uh, THC's the stuff that gets you high, basically.
1: Yeah. So THC, yep. if you, can, you smoke marijuana, THC is the stuff that's going to send you to Pluto. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but C- CBD's got none of that stuff. And I, uh, and it's it's rampant in London when I was there. It's uh, you go to a coffee shop, you get a coffee. They said you want you want a couple of drops in it. Um, you get like a, a little soda can, it'll be fill, filled with CBD. And so I sort of got, I got involved with that. And um, so I was actually able to throw my anti-inflammatories in the bin. I threw the sleeping pills in the bin. I threw everything in the bin and I just found a lot of relief from it. Yeah. So when I came back to Australia, I just, I sort of thought, well, right now it's not, the legislation isn't uh, what it is around the world um, in Australia. Unfortunately, they're a little bit behind. I think they vote for it in, uh, in July. So um, they are,
0: so there's something on the books f- f- for that to happen potentially. Yeah. Down the track.
1: Yeah. Potentially in July ish sort of time, but uh, yeah, we're really behind in Australia on that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it'd be a huge tax incentive for the government, especially going through COVID and, and Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, giving everyone, you know, all the money cause they had to, cause everyone's shutting down. But um, yeah, so we started our business uh, with my business partners, uh, my brother and my father. Um, we've got a couple of vestas um, it's going pretty cool I'm actually wearing the shirt right now
0: beautiful pure that's athletic a, cbd
1: that's the one pure underscore athlete cbd
0: athlete sorry pure athlete
1: that's the one yeah have to wear it have to plug it have to we'll plug it sh-
0: absolutely bro we'll share that for yeah. sure
1: and um so uh yeah so it's uh pretty interesting so this morning before I jumped on this podcast we were going through the website and just uh you know tweaking a few things but um but yeah it's uh, I, I thought it was just really important as an athlete and for anyone who's uh younger, who has aspirations to be an athlete, you know, there's that bubble is going to burst and you need something else to, to do after it. So if I have to, if there's any advice I can give to younger people, it's definitely, definitely that.
0: How, how relevant was your uni degree for starting a business or have you um, learned, or have you learned more actually doing the business side of things?
1: I think, um, so I was, I really lucked out. My father's extremely intelligent in, in, in what he does in a business sense. And also my brother's done an MBA. So
0: yeah. we had
1: got, we I had guys around me that knew exactly what they were doing and, and how to get it done. And, and my sort of side was sort of the athletic side and, and my contact list and that sort of thing. But for me, it's a learning experience every day. And that's um, when you, when you get, when you get stuck in a rut or not a rut, but when you play football for so long, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's sort of like a, it's a roller coaster at times of emotion, but it's also it's the same old thing, same old thing. Yeah, and it's just been really, really uh, cool to just venture out into you know uncharted territories and get involved with that. So it's been really fun. Yeah,
0: mate, that's that's a good thing. I you you and I both know guys that have only ever done rugby, and yep. they only ever do rugby, and they retire from rugby and they go into coaching or admin or something like that. Mm. So I, if I could give as I've obviously never had. A rugby career like yourself, but if I could give anyone any advice, it would be do something else. And I think a lot of the good players have something else on the side.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Um, what age were you when you made your Super Rugby debut? Um, would
1: have been twenty fourteen. So yeah,
0: twenty twenty one. How I was talking to I just talked to, to Tafu Pilota now yesterday, and I'm I'm super interested in this sort of things in terms of. How did, in terms of your, the mental approach to to sport how how did you get through that because that's that's a pretty stressful thing for a 20 21 year old to do yeah. particularly in that team yeah. was that the year you guys won the title
1: yeah so the first yeah so when i made my debut we actually the, the team won the title
0: yeah that so that year you yeah. you went into a super rugby winning team yeah how, how was how was your mindset for it how did you how did you feel how did you get through it
1: uh, I guess, I guess for me, like, and I was speaking to someone about this actually just the other day. Um, I think when I was a lot younger, like I was a bit of a headless chook, to be honest, like, um, I didn't really appreciate the moments that I was in and I sort of, um, you know, I was peddled to anyone, anyone who's ever trained with me or, or played with me knows this, that I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent peddled to the metal
0: or, or drank with you just quite. <laughs>
1: That's true. as well. That's true. Yeah. We drink till it's all gone. That's definitely true. Um, but I think was a yeah, I think when I was younger, it was sort of um, you know, I didn't really appreciate the moments, and um, it was just pedal to the metal, and and um, you know I thought I dealt with it pretty well. I guess I guess when I was a lot younger, there was a lot of anxiety. Um, you so know, did you
0: did you have that anxiety when you were playing?
1: When I was younger, definitely there was anxiety. It was anxiety around you know what's the crowd going to think if I knock the ball on, and there's a lot of opportunities in a game that you just you you like you can't worry about the consequences. Like you just have to get that instinct and make it happen. And if it, if it happens, it happens, but that's something that you, that comes with, with experience and being in those, in those moments a lot more. And I think when I was younger, it was sort of, you know, you're a bit scared to make a, to make bad decisions or, or to, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to fuck the team you up. Don't, so. You don't want to
0: fuck up in front yeah. of everyone, basically. And I was, so, I was yeah. talking to Taf about this yesterday and, um, uh, for those who haven't thrown a line out before, yeah, yeah. you know, you're coming on in your first game. He he actually made his test debut before he played for the Waratahs. That's right, yeah, yeah. That's and right, yeah. You know, coming on in a full house in an important game and your first line out throw is to the tail. You know, yeah. it's a bit bit windy, bit wet, you're against the, the bulls or something like that. Yeah. There's you know, there's margin for error. You could you could fuck it up. How yeah. did you how was your what was your process for that? Were you just did, did you did you think about the external things or were you just purely yeah. focused on on the process of throwing the ball the call yeah. all that sort of stuff
1: yeah so so yeah my debut was against the lions in that very successful 2014 season and as everyone knows when everyone's winning everything's great everyone's a fan so we had a packed house when i made my debut which was really really fortunate to to do that and i came on to throw a line out and My my internet came out, so that's, no, not that's bad. A,
0: all yeah, good so, Glebe so is so a the third, third
1: world teams, country. So the smart teams, um, <laughs> so smart teams recognize you know moments in the games and important moments in the games, and those little things can you know momentum is a funny thing. If the momentum can sway, it doesn't matter what the scoreboard is. So our hookers should be coming on not to throw a ball, and if they do come on, they should be throwing to the front as well as a prop. If they come onto the game, they shouldn't be thrown straight into a scrum especially not a scrum down on your five-meter yeah, line.
0: Yeah, when you're defending, yeah. yes. I couldn't um, agree more.
1: So, unfortunately – well, fortunately for me, I love the moment and I love the sort of pressure. I, I feel like I perform better when there's a bunch of shit going on. But um, – yeah. so, I came on. I was lucky enough. It, it was a packed house against the Lions. Where Everyone was winning. And when you win, everyone gets on gets on board. So, I came in and my process is um, – so, I get the ball. I flick the ball around in my hands a few times. Um, you know the little pump that you pump the ball up? Yeah. So I find the pump with my. So I've broken this right pinky. Oh, yeah. It's, it's at a crooked, really crooked angle, but it's actually quite good for me. So I always know that I have to put my crooked, crooked pinky on the <laughs> ball pump. So yeah. I've always got the same place on the ball. So I know that's my process. Yeah. I'll always stand behind the line and then i always walk up to the line with my left foot in front and then I'll put my right foot. I've got a solid base, everything's solid. And then finish with your hands high. And that's my process. And it's if something happens, if something goes wrong, I have such a set down process and a, and a, a way of thinking that if something breaks down, yeah, it's really easy to, to figure out where that broke down and why it broke down.
0: Did and that change? So, no. did that change from the start of your career to, to now?
1: So, when I, at the start of the career, I didn't have that. I didn't okay. have that process. So, when something went wrong, which it often did um, when I was younger, Um, I had to really, really work hard on my throw, but as I got older and I got a little bit wiser and you start talking to people who are great at their sports, not just rugby, but every other sport, they all say the same thing. You need a process. You need something to fall back on. You need to be able to fix it. So that's that process sort of developed over a couple of years. And I think that's probably why my throwing got a lot better.
0: Was it, was it something you had help with or was it more an observation from the guys you were around or just you working on it yourself?
1: It was definitely, it was definitely like, like as a, as a hooker, you know, you know, when you're throwing badly and it's not just, you know, like people would definitely tell you as well. You know, when I, when I, it was a different, it was a different world when I first started playing, because if you threw a bad ball that wasn't straight in the catcher's hands, they would just wouldn't even catch it. They would just let it go past. I had a few guys just like slap the ball if it wasn't even, perfect. Slap even the at ball su- down.
0: even at super rugby.
1: Yeah, in training, not not in the game, but in training. Okay. They'd go up and just slap it down again. Not nah, not good enough. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a re- my younger years was really really like, I-, I guess volatile in that sense. Like it had to be perfect. If it wasn't perfect, then it wasn't acceptable. So I think I was probably lucky to go through that. And at that yeah. time, my throwing wasn't great, and it was something that I had to work on. But I think. And um, like it, it caused a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress because, you know, I have to get this guy 100% or it's going to get slapped away. So, and, um, and I think sometimes you just need that. Like, I think, I think you just need to be told, like, if you're doing something wrong, you need to be told you're doing it wrong. You need to do it different. You need to fix it. And I definitely got told that a lot of times. And, and I feel like when I, when I went back and reflected on that and what the process, well, I need a process. And once yep. I got that, I think, I think now I've earned the right to say that my throw is quite good. So,
0: well, you'll look up. Uh, uh, you'd know I'd never blow smoke up your ass, but I, I do highlight reels for people all over the world. And yours is one of the best throws I've ever seen, including international yeah. hookers. So, next thing. So, what was it like winning the Super Rugby thing? You were still, you were mostly playing club footy that year, but obviously being around that squad and that group of guys, was it, I mean, it must have been fun. Being a young guy in that environment,
1: I'll, t- I'll tell you what it was fun. It was fun when we when we won it. Like winning, winning is fun, you know. Yeah. Losing is definitely not fun, and we're all in it to win it. So the season was a really, really hard, grueling season. The timelines at that time were d- were different as well. Mm. So uh, Shoot Shield used to finish, used to have like a four week break, and then from there to like uh, it must have been like a twelve week preseason. It was a really long preseason. Um, there was no NRC. There was no nothing else. It was just a really long, drawn-out process. But that was good because, you know, you could build into it. You could build into it. Yeah. You start a bit slow. You get a bit. You get a bit crazy, and then at the end of preseason, they start building back up again. Whereas now it's a four-week preseason or a six-week preseason where they bash the living shit out of you.
0: And no, then, it's crazy straight away. Right yeah,
1: than- and it, because it's a global game, because people are playing Wallabies, they're going overseas, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're coming back. It's just this small amount of preseason where everyone gets fucking bashed. Yeah. And you know, you hit round 1 and you you are already cooked. But um it was it was pretty lucky because that that the year that we won it. Um not to mention that the roster was absolutely stacked with with absolute well, you know,
0: legends, legends of the game, really. Legends
1: of on and off the field and um I mean the coaching staff was unbelievable as well. Um just absolutely uh, you know, top of their game at leading people. Um, getting rallying people around each other, and you know that that was all that was all really really good and um no it was a it was a good time it was really really tough um for me being young and everyone had been in the game for a long time and they were the best of their craft pretty much all around the park it was um it's quite humbling because you go from being really good at shoot shield you know you're kind of a big fish if i if you want to put it that way yeah you come into another big pond you're the little fish and you have no say in anything so it's a little bit daunting in that in that sense, but um, you know, at the end when 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 the team won it and you get to be in the change room and and, and lap that up, it was really uh, it was really quite special. Who
0: who went the hardest on that silly Sunday weekend, if you can say <laughs> if you can say?
1: I think I think I just think everyone, I think everyone just really enjoyed themselves. Like it was just it was kind of like a weight, it was a weight off everyone's shoulders. You know, it was the first time the Tars had won the title. Um, there was a lot of pressure on us just because the roster was looking, you know, obviously really good from day from day one. And, um, you know, there's a lot of expectations. And um, I mean, there was nothing there was no that year specifically, there's been other years where there's been stories and stuff. But like that year was, you know, it was just special. Everyone, everyone just behaved themselves. And it, it, it was good. It was good fun. <laughs>
0: Look, I believe you. Many others probably wouldn't, but <laughs> hey. Um, so from there, from there, you went. So how, how many years were you at the Tars? All up, it was eight years. Um, I was about six and a bit. Six. six and a bit. So, so, Maybe. what? I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but what what ended up happening there that made you go? Because you went to the Rebels, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. I went to the Rebels after that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how did you find the rebels in comparison to the Waratahs and not directly comparing individuals, but is it a similar culture? Um, you know, how did you find the coaches they are Obviously all rugby players tend to be good blokes. So I'm sure there was a lot of similarities there, but how did you, how did you find going from Glebe to Melbourne?
1: That's right. Well, I went from Coogee to Melbourne, but, um,
0: are you living Koji uh, at the Coogee. time?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I, I saw the writing on the wall, so I, I just said, you know, fuck it, I'm going to live in Koji for the next season, and then I was out of there. But enjoy it, uh,
0: make the most of it, kind of thing. Right?
1: Yeah, just next to the pav and the and the Koji Bay. There it was a good time.
0: It's a tough, tough place, mate. It's
1: a tough, it's a tough life, tough mate. place Someone, to be. i was going to live it. But um, no, Melbourne was good. I did actually really enjoy Melbourne, and um, you know I wish I was still back there, but um. No, they, they, uh, it was different. It was different because we had South African coaches down in Melbourne.
0: Who was, who was the head coach when you were there?
1: So we had Dave Wessels, incredibly intelligent, uh, individual. Um, he was really emotionally intelligent. He got around the guys, you know, he ate lunch with us. He did all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just a, it was a different kind of football, you know, it was, um, it was a little bit, I want to say a little bit more South African, you know, we wanted to bash the, you know, so if a bit more confrontation,
0: a bit more confrontational. Very confrontational. Rather than man. that side to side sort of That's fast right, yeah. style. Yeah.
1: Confrontational and, and that preseason. I'm
0: all right, all right, recordings back on. So we're just talking about Melbourne and yeah. how you found the whole style of footy and the training and all yeah. the good stuff.
1: Yeah. So um so I've done a fair few uh preseasons over the years, ten or eleven or Whatever the counter is up to now, it's it's quite quite a lot. But I just think you know, your Melbourne's um, it was it was probably the hardest preseason I've ever done. Just just because of the way we wanted to play as a team, you know, very confrontational, very fast around the corner, um, just just brutal, you know, brutal. And and what comes with that is the training is brutal as well. Um, so we were smashing each other every day, you know, trying to get the best out of each other, and um, which is which is. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the wrong way or anything. I thought it was really good. And um, they're very analytical down there as well. You know, they had a saying, it was, you know, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. So, you know, you're on the sideline taking a breather. Everyone's going to see that. So yeah. it's about working pedal to the metal all the time. And, um, you know, that, that, that sort of training gets really taxing, but, um, you know, we had a really good roster as well. And unfortunately we didn't go the way we wanted wanted to go, but um, you know, the year down there for me, I really had a really good, I had a good time and. I thought the coaches were exceptional, you know, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm obviously not back there and, you know, there's no ill will or anything, but I thought the yep, coaches yep. did a really, really good job. And I thought they did a really good job in the, in the, in the last, uh, in the last little uh, super rugby, whatever they call called that COVID one. I thought they the did COVID really season. well. I thought they did really well. I think um, Big Pone, um I think they've turned him into a very good player and he had a lot of potential and I think they got the best out of him. Definitely. There's, you know, these young guys like Trevor Jose, who, um, you know, really came into his own and he's um, extremely genetically gifted and he's going to be really good for Aussie rugby. And, um, you know, you that know
0: feels- one of our good friends who I thought killed it was the great Cam Orr. He yeah, really had yeah. really a name for himself this year.
1: I thought he did as well. He was going to be my next one. I don't know what he's been eating down in Melbourne. He's put on some bulk. I just spoke <laughs> to him the other day. Probably I, don't know every- if, I, don't, I don't know if he's eating or he's drinking more beer. Or, I don't know. He's big though at the moment. He's yeah.
0: probably spending too much time at the Richmond Club.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: well, speaking yeah. of that joint what a what a place that was
1: there was a good place that was a good place so I lived I lived in Richmond down the road so it was very um, easy to go down there and uh, have a good time
0: look good. Um, I spent the NRC there in 2015 and look, it <laughs> was uh, and look so it was really interesting to see the cultural change from 2015 to 2018 yeah so I was there when Tony McGann was there and then I came oh, okay, back yeah. and did the trial when Dave Wessels was coaching in 2018 and Man, it was a different place. It was uh, oh, yeah,
1: yeah
0: That's I certainly right. I certainly improved my drinking uh, in 2015.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your piss fitness went up a lot. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you you've gone from Melbourne to New Zealand Minor 10 Cup. Yep. And not only have you gone to Minor 10 Cup, you've gone to the best team in the Minor 10 Cup. Yeah. What was that experience like playing for Tasman? Firstly, I, I hear it's a beautiful area. It They're is, connected yeah. to the Crusaders franchise, which is obviously one of the most successful sporting teams ever really yep. uh, yeah. in, in any sport. What was the experience like going there? How did you find it?
1: Uh, so firstly, I had no, I don't watch the might Ten, admittedly at that time. So I really didn't know where I was going. Um, you know, I was just looking for another opportunity just to play some rugby in the off season. Cause that's sort of, that's the time they play in the off season. Yeah. Um, so I just sort of took, took it how it came. Um, the place where they, where they are is, uh, is Nelson. So it's the top of the South Island, um, just across from, uh, Wellington, but like how I was so naive that I was Googling, you know, Tasman, like West Tasman. And then I was looking at obviously looking at the wrong place. And then I, you know, I rocked up in Nelson and, um, how New Zealand is, it's obviously quite wet and it's quite cold. And so I flew in, I flew in on this little tiny little, um, little jet and, uh, got there as pissing down rain. I went, Oh God, what a, what's going on here because I don't go well with the rain obviously and you know throwing throwing line outs and doing all that's not the best when it's raining and but I got there and uh, my host lady picked me up um, lovely lady uh, Susan was her name and she uh, she took me home first night cooked a massive meal cooked a uh, a big roast said whatever you need you know I'll take you to the bank tomorrow we'll sort your bank account out so you can get your money going I'll take you to the phone place get a phone you know just literally just did everything for me and she was working a full-time job too. So, you know, in her break, she was doing that all for me. And, you know, just straight off the bat, I was like, well, I mean, this is why New Zealand is just held in such high regard. Like they, they are just people, they just like that. And, um, so when I rocked up to the team, I really, you know, I was a little bit a bit shy and, you know, didn't know how it was going to go. And, and, um, they just, they just, you know, they welcomed me with open hands. Um, they uh you know they spoke to me straight off the bat all the players were super nice, super keen to have me in and and the whole uh, I was the only Australian there. we had a little international club there was uh myself, another player, Japanese halfback and then there was another halfback for Wales oh, and then yeah. everyone, everyone else for Kiwi, so we had this little thing going on um yeah, but super nice got me got me involved in the, um, you know choosing plays and a, a bit of a leadership role, which was really cool that made it re- a lot easier to transition from. I no one into, you know, something in the team. And, and um, you know, I just went and it was a good refresher. It was a good refresher. I lived just right next to the training field. So I could just do my, do my training, go home, recover, relax, and then do the same again. And um, I had no, I didn't have any idea about the team going over, who was on the roster, who anyone was. And obviously when I walked in the door, I'm recognising, you know, is Liam Squire. Well, I used to have a mullet in high school because he had a mullet. And I'm like, you know, Jordan Tafu is over there, Dave Hoverle is over there, you know, Tyrell Lomax. Oh, he was in Australia, but now he's here. Now he plays for the All Blacks. That's pretty awesome. You know, there's you know it was just big names everywhere. And even in the coaching staff, big names. So um it was a bit of a shock, but I I had a you know, I had a fantastic time and and just the just the way they are over there, their their culture is um I don't wanna say that they don't care or anything, but they're they're really family orientated. they they just live life as it, as it should be, you know, relaxed and fun. But when it's time to work it, you know, it's time to work. It's, it's time to, as they say, do the mahi and then get into the, uh, and they're very cultural and they get around their culture. And, you know, when it's game day, it's game day we're on. So, you know, that was probably the biggest difference, I think.
0: In, in terms of the rugby, how did you, how did you find it? So I, I've, I've watched rugby from all over the world now doing what I do and, I look at my ten cup, and and to me, it's the most fun to watch. Yeah. How how was it to play? And I I'm, I will eventually compare it to what you've done in Australia. But in yeah. terms of the rugby, the training, how did you find it? Was it was it a step up? Was it comfortable? Was it a step down? Like, what was your thoughts on the rugby side of things?
1: I think um, I think New Zealanders now. I've been in two teams. I think New Zealand, they're they're incredibly detailed about everything. You know, there's nothing nothing ever on a football field just accidentally happens. Like everything's planned for, everything's detailed. So, um, you know, it's all about the mind. Nothing nothing happens randomly. So that was a bit, little bit of a shock. Like it was so much detail to take in. Um, you know, we're sitting in meetings for hours and hours and hours. Um, you know, our lineouts as a thrower, I just came from a system where you might go to a line out and you might have four calls to remember. And then I'm um, in New Zealand. I've got, I've got 15 calls to remember and, and any of them could happen at one time. So so, so just,
0: just to cut in there, how did you, how did you go about remembering that stuff? Do you write it down? Was it just a repetition thing?
1: Yeah. So me, for me, it's, I, I write it down. So I've got a little book. I've got a black book here. This is a different black book. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> but I do usually have a little book here and, um, I usually go through uh, my line out calls and I'll write them. I'll sort of say, you know, this, it's a four man and this is the options. And then yep. it's six man, these are options. Seven man, these are options. And I'll just continuously write them down, write them down, write them down. I have each week, there'll probably be 10 pages full of just the, just the calls.
0: So you would write them over and over and over again. Over just, and over and over. Yeah, that's, right. that's
1: just how I used to learn it. And um, so our Mondays were really, really. You know, we wore sand shoes on Mondays because it was a detail day. But we would have right. our lineouts. And um, this is actually probably another big difference as well. So we would walk through our lineouts. Then we would go up on the lineouts. But there was no there was no hassle. If you missed the throw, if you missed the lift, if some, something went wrong, it, well, it was a non-issue because it was a learning day. So yeah. I think that was... And then that really okay. helped, that really helped as well because not only have I written everything down and it's stuck in my mind, now I can actually... You know, do I can actually put it into practice, and that actually, you know, concreted what I what I've been writing down into my mind because I've actually now done it.
0: So, so they had a designated learning designated,
1: day, yeah, Mondays, always Mondays, yeah. And that was that was for everything you, else for our plays around the field, out
0: Was it full? Was it full? Full steam ahead, or more of a it was 100% type walk-through, thing?
1: walkthrough, sand shoes.
0: But, okay. But, okay. Is that the first time you've? Sorry. Is that the first time you've ever no, seen I, that?
1: It's not the first time I've ever seen it because it, it, it's been yeah. implemented like at the back end of seasons in other teams. So I'm not, I won't sit here yeah. and say that no one else does it because everyone does it. It's just it was just yeah. Mondays was that was their day. So in other okay. teams I've been in, it's uh, like Monday could be a full on day, but over there okay. Monday was this is a walk day, and and for me coming from. Uh, you know, being pedaled to the metal, I'm like running around yeah. in sand shoes and trying to like score tries and stuff. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not about that today. So I actually had to get pulled back a few times and just say, it's not about that today. It's about walking. And, um,
0: okay. Um, what, what about in terms of like contact training? Did they do much contact training? So
1: I don't want to give way too much away, but um, their contact day is – so the weeks compared Aussie and uh, New Zealand are flipped. So from yeah. my experience, I don't know how it is now because I haven't played in either for a while, but they're flipped. So Australia's usually you get your work done in this at the start of the week, you know, yeah. you get all your contact. Uh, I'm sure this isn't a secret. I'm sure everyone knows about Test Match Tuesday, where Tuesday yeah, is usually the day noise. that everyone beats the shit out of each other. Um, but yeah. that is flipped in New Zealand. Like Thursday is that day
0: so so was your day off Wednesday
1: yeah it's always Wednesday yeah every team I've ever played for Wednesday's the day off yeah
0: so you're going into you're going into test match Thursday over there fresh really
1: that's right oh so we'd have the Monday walkthrough Tuesdays a little bit more ramped up a bit of speed work and you yeah. sort of you know you put a little shoulder on and then oh okay it's all good but at Wednesday yeah. off Thursday we'd go through units and then we'd go into yeah a bit of live stuff a bit of 15 15 live stuff but it's live, but it's not, you know, you're not picking your man up and putting him on his head. Yeah. We're not competing. We're not competing for jobs, you know, because we know what the, by that time we know what the team is. So yeah. we're yeah. out here trying to make each other better. We're not out here to, to earn a job here.
0: So um, how did you, what do you, what do you think of that, that approach or is it just horses like horses for courses? It is what it is. Or did, did you think that that had a benefit? Yeah,
1: I think, to... I think that had a benefit because I mean, if you play eighty minutes on the weekend and you're absolutely hammered, and you got to rock up for a Monday, Tuesday test match, you know, it's sort of just, you know, it's a
0: big ask.
1: It is a um, bit, it's, it is busy. It's it's a big ask. Well, I'm not here to say what's right or wrong because there's obviously no, no. Science. Just your, obs- yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah, s- your yeah, observations yeah. on it because there's obviously science backing everything, you know. And I'm not a sports. Yeah, scientist. because I mean, the
0: the other side of it is is uh, if you're doing a full contact training on Thursday, can you recover by Saturday?
1: That's right, but you know, like the full contact between Tuesday test match and a third and a Thursday was way different. Yeah. We were on a Tuesday, we put suits on and bash the fuck out each other. Yeah. Whereas the Thursday is a 15, 15 scrimmage where it's, we're putting shoulders on, but we're not contesting. We don't contest rocks. Okay. Um, if we do, if we're doing like ruck work as a Ford pack, it's very much take care of each other, but get the learning. Like the learning is yes. number yep. one. Learning is number one. It's not uh, about because everyone, everyone, at that level, at these levels, everyone can smash the fuck out of each other. But it's all about the learning, and that was probably the biggest difference. Um, and just just before I forget as well, um, another massive difference is the training. So my experience in the past, training finishes, we have our captain's run on Friday, usually, and sometimes it's either we might run or we might walk through the captain's run. Yep. And that is it. That's it before kickoff. When I went to New Zealand, like, the clock doesn't stop until like an hour before the game. So we would get up on a Friday, whether you're in a hotel or wherever you are, and we'd actually do line outs and go through our plays on game day, like okay. two, or th- two or three hours before the game. And that was actually, that was a massive shock to me because usually my routine is like, you know, I'm pretty relaxed, I'm pretty kicked back. I don't really do much until we leave the hotel. But in New Zealand, you get up you get up pretty early, same time, you go out into the parking lot the boys strap up, and everyone's going up, and it's full, full speed, full pace, full lineouts. Um, which, uh, which is something I never ever experienced, and I it actually took me a while to get used to because I'm actually like it takes me a few hours in the morning to sort of defrost. Yeah. So I needed to actually get up and then go and throw lineouts. You know, Have so,
0: get, make sure you get your coffee in and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, which is not revolutionary. I'm not giving away secrets or anything. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no, it's just it's more just yeah.
0: interesting to see how other people do it, like. Yeah, um, is that a is that more of a Tasman thing, a Crusaders thing, or is it generally a New Zealand thing to do that?
1: I think when I asked a few Kiwis, they just saw that was the norm. Like, that's yeah, just right, what, that's just what they did. And when I said I've never done this in my life, they were sort of like, well, that's kind of just how it is, you know.
0: Like, well, look, it clearly works yeah. for them. How? Um, what about like gym stuff? Did they did they do much gym stuff, or was it more self? You know, you, you organize your own stuff around training, or how did they? Yeah, look well, at yeah. That?
1: Yeah, so in the past, it's very much you know, like uh, they tell you exactly what to do, where to go, how much time you got to roll out. Um, do this, this is it. That. This is
0: that Tasman.
1: No, this is before like well, like
0: before, just before. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then in New Zealand, it's like it's a lot more autonomous. Like, like you need to get what you need to get done, and yeah. um, you know, they they put the onus on you as athletes. I'm sure with younger guys, they would tell them what to do, but sort of my age and a bit older, like you know if you don't know by then about your own body and how to prepare properly, you know, you're never going to learn. So it was a lot more autonomous. We could, we could just pick what we were doing, pick and choose. But for me, and I know how you know, how I am, I'm pedal to the metal. So I was always training harder anyway. A lot of guys, a lot of guys, especially if they're playing 80 minutes and they're putting their hands in the trenches and breaking their fingers and breaking their heads. Like they needed just a day or two to just, you know, get on the WAP bike and sweat out a bit of, bit of demons from the weekend and that sort of thing so you know it's a lot more autonomous you get what you need to get done and,
0: and so it was it, and more it, sorry sorry to interrupt bro but it yeah, was yeah, more yeah. it was more like get the job whatever you need to do so that you can perform on the weekend yeah
1: that's,
0: that's what right. ma- that's what matters here it's not Waits right, yeah. for or training for the, tra- the sake of training which I, i've seen quite a bit in yeah some places it was more yeah, it's
1: of, nothing new yeah yeah,
0: yeah. um what about the boys? How do they compare to Aussie boys? Uh, are rugby players just the same all over the world? What? How did you find it off field? Did they do much? You know, did they have a beer after games? Was it full professional? What's the uh, What's the difference?
1: I think I think rugby players all around the I, yeah I think all around the world everyone's kind of the same. You know, like um, I don't think anyone's better than anyone else. I think we're all kind of the same. Like we all we all know that what we have to put through preparation like for preparing uh through the uh through the week and we know we all go to battle and we know it's really hard and you know after that you know we enjoy a couple of beers and i think that's just that's just the global thing like i don't think anyone's better and better blokes than anyone else i think everyone's kind of the same you know okay
0: that's yeah. interesting that's interesting i mean you got to kind of be crazy to play rugby at that level so it kind of yeah, makes so sense yeah. that, that boys would enjoy a beer after mm. a game so you went from there, and then you yep. you came back to Australia. Yep. And from there, you didn't have a contract for a brief period. Is that right? So you you played a bit for Eastwood, or were you having a bit of time off?
1: No. So I got let go of my uh, English contract from I. I so I,
0: sorry, that's right. So you went straight from Tasman to to, to London, London, London Irish.
1: London Irish. So I got released from my. I failed my medical because that's right because my- you got
0: injured. You got injured in the final.
1: That's, that's right, right. yeah yes. five, yep. minutes to, five minutes ago yeah which After, is a funny one i would was have that rather, during
0: that great line break that you made
1: no it was uh <laughs> <great> <laughs> lawn break. it was there no, was a good line break. Uh, you know it was um it was a funny one i would have i would have much rather you know get hammered by someone and break my toe but i actually just took i just took a step and it blew up so okay which is unfortunate
0: but so just but when life. i
1: it was just a bad luck it was just a thing that happens you know but, but um I mean, if that didn't happen, all this other stuff, like finishing uni and stuff, wouldn't happen. So you know, optimistic all the time. But so, um,
0: so, so you, you went to London. You came home. How did yep. you? How did you end up playing a game for the Crusaders this year? How did that okay, happen? So,
1: yeah, yeah. So when I was in um, when I was in London, I went and saw the surgeon, and um, they were just adamant that I need to get surgery. And then surgery for that sort of thing, uh, if you're a back, it's probably three months. But yep. For a foot, it's six to nine months. And that would have completely ruled me out for for a year. And so, actually, um, if I got surgery in London, it would have I would have had to pay for it because I wasn't I wasn't insured by I think they call the NHS over there. I think yep.
0: something like that. Yep.
1: And I also like potentially wasn't really covered by. or well, I was covered in New Zealand, but I would have had to go on this massive waiting list of months. And by the, by the time that month, those months went past, I get surgery, then it's on top of that more months. Yeah. Just too, it was too long. So I actually came back to Australia to get surgery because I was, everyone told me, oh, you need it, you need it. And I actually saw the, um, the old TARS doctor, Sharon Flowerhive. So she's been the doctor there for a thousand years. And I actually- and Shout out to that. Sharon. Shout out, shout out. Um, so I just saw her about it and um, we just talked about it how I was going to get it get it done. And uh, I went into the- um, Doctor Wines, his name is. Uh, shout out to him as well. Good man. Um, he, just, he, he just said, "Mate, I've seen this injury a lot of times, and definitely I've seen it in Waratahs players as well. You're gonna you be fine. So, you know, you just keep doing you, and, and you'll come back. And to be honest, like, it was like a really long process. You know, I was really not confident in my toe, and for a really long time, um, I had a good team. Nick Batcher, shout out. His brother's the um, coach of Eastwood. Just, big, just, the great, just went great down. Benny Batcher." <laughs> a couple of stories about both batches, but, yeah, um, I could imagine. So yeah. So Nick batches, a physio. So he took care of me when I came back, excuse me, I get some coffee. Um, okay. so he was looking after me and, um, for a long, long time, you know, I wasn't, you know, I just, I wasn't feeling it. It was really, really sore. And you know, you start doubting yourself. Anyone who's had an injury will tell you the same. You start doubting yourself. You get a little bit down about it, but, um, yeah, it started to, it actually started to take a turn, which was really good. It, and it was just one, one random week. Um, um it just started to feel really good and the reason why I ended up with the Crusaders was um I would never wish an injury on anyone else but and the person who got injured is actually a really good mate Andrew McAleer he plays for Tasman um so I would never wish a uh like an injury or anything that like that on anyone else but that presented me an opportunity to go over there and so Andrew Goodman um the godfather he's uh he's a legend in Nelson and everyone loves him and He's just gone back to back with Tasman, and he's a he's a Tasman legend. Um, I got along with him really well, and he sort of just called me up and said, "Hey, um, unfortunately, you know, Drew's has um, had a bit of a thing with his with his calf. Do you want to come over and train with us for a little bit? You know, no promises or anything. Like you just come over and train." And and at that time, I was just said, "You know, like I'm I'm kind of not really doing anything. One hundred percent. Like whenever the plane is, I'll get on and I'll be there." Didn't even pack a backpack. I just had a little. I had a sling thing. Went over there. No expectations and um, met the whole team. Team, unbelievable. Crusader guys, you know, I can't speak any highly of the entire locker room, all the coaches, everyone in the front office there. They were just unbelievable. And um, especially being Australian, if there's any hostility there, that's squash because as soon as I got in the building, it was like I'd been there for years. And um, so he got me in the building and um, just had a – we had a day of training and I guess I trained quite well. The toe was – you know, it was a little bit, you know, it was the first time I've been back in, in full on super training and I could feel I could definitely feel it, but it wasn't too much. And we had a meeting on the Thursday when they announced the team and and fuck, I was in the uh they do highlights for each person who's in the team. So one to twenty three. So when it's
0: they done. when they announce it yeah, they they put like, it on the board or something.
1: Yeah, so it'll be like number one, whoever it is, and then it'll be like a little like two second highlight package of whatever they've done. Or like a picture of them. And it got to 16 and I've got to like 15 and stuff. I was like, oh, well, I mean, this has been such a great experience. Like, even if I'm, even if I'm not playing, this is like, this is a godsend. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then it got to 16 and then it was me playing for Tasman. I just sort of like, just didn't know what to say. And a couple of blokes, I didn't even know behind me, started patting me on the back and I was like, fuck, this is like pretty surreal. Like just what I've just been, been through with my foot and, and being released and, and, you know, when you get released from a contract, they don't give you the money for the contract. And, uh, you know, it was just a, just a really cool thing to happen. And um, that's just kind of how it happened. And I think, like, you know, if you're a good person, you know, good things happen to good people, I think. So I think I left a mark on, um, you know, Goody and all that, you know, being a good bloke and, and trying and training really hard. And it just sort of came back, I guess.
0: Um, so you've gone for basically being told you had to have a year off to rehabbing yourself and then all of a sudden you walk into the building at the most successful rugby team in the world yeah how long were you there for in total
1: i was there for a few weeks so i I got there when they played the reds in in christchurch yeah so that's when i that's when i first i sat in the crowd or not in the crowd just with the players and went in the locker room and, and um just got to know people and um uh, shout out to Ed Craig actually he played for the Reds that day so I saw him from he's an Eastwood boy he's a good man he's a good man and um, and I just got to meet the crowd as well they sort of they took the crowd just randomly took me in as well and I wasn't even playing I was just walking around in Crusaders kit and they were all about it so um, I mean they just they just love their footy they just, they love footy they love people being successful they love people trying to go hard and do their thing and um, it's yeah it was just it was just uh, it was surreal it was something I'll never forget It was it was just unreal
0: what, what makes them so special, in your opinion?
1: My opinion, what makes them special?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you've had, you've been in a Super Rugby winning, squad team. Yeah, and and obviously that was a very special team. I, I don't want to directly compare them, but
1: yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because I don't think that's that's realistic or fair. But but how did yeah. you, like, like what makes the Crusaders the Crusaders? Is it a cultural thing? Do they do th- things differently off-field? Is it a coaching thing? Like, t- to me, uh, I'll just, like, I'll say this so that you don't have to. The The amount of guys we know who go from a New Ze- an Australian Super Rugby franchise and who-, who have sort of so-so careers and then end up... Going there. You know, like Mikey yeah. Alatoa, shout out to the great man.
1: Shout out, Mikey. I went to school with Mikey. Good man.
0: Fantastic fellow. And, look, I, I think... I think to see where he was, and you and I both saw where he was, playing for West Harbour or South, yep. and then all of a sudden he's won three or four Super Rugby titles, playing for Samoa, captaining Moana Pacifica, and yeah. in my opinion, it's one of the best tight end props in the world.
1: One of the hardest working people too in the building.
0: In uh, 100%. And he, yeah. he, he was – I don't know what he was specifically told by the Tars, but they, they didn't see to keep him. Yeah. So, so what's the difference? How how, how does that happen?
1: Ah. Uh, it's hard to say. I wasn't in the building for long enough. I just think I think uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think I think
0: culturally I think, cultural maybe like it, once you're used to winning maybe that brings the best out of people.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think uh, I think a bit of that. I think potentially New Zealanders I mean they see not sure. They see skill and determination and and grit and all that kind of stuff as you know number one. And yeah, I don't know. They don't. I don't. I'm not too sure. I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they see someone picking someone up and dumping them once a game as as more important than someone running down 60 meters to chase someone so they score in the corner rather than scoring in the middle of the field so they can kick a goal. You know.
0: Yeah, they, that makes they sense. Love,
1: I think they value more hard work and gritty and being humble and all that over, you know, some dude who just, you know, made one, does massive, 20 carries one, massive, game. one massive run and, yeah. you know, absolutely deck someone once in a game. They, they live for the, those little moments, the golden moments that people in the crowd don't understand and will never understand. But it's like jumping on a loose ball or, you know, putting your hands – Putting your hands in the ruck, slowing the ruck down so the defensive line can get set, and they yeah. can get up and rush up. Those little those little things mean everything.
0: So the Crusaders really focus on on that type of thing.
1: Uh, I, I wasn't there long enough to comment on that, but but um, that's so, just your I observations. Know, my yeah. observation is that they they definitely value things that other people just don't. I guess. Okay. Okay. F-
0: Mate, that's that's totally. And fair. I, I don't
1: want to step on anyone's toes in Australia because I know they, they do the same thing. But I, my observation being there was they valued the bench players. Like the bench players were the guys to go to. Like they looked after the it, people on the bench. Like they got special treatment. Cause we know we're going to need you guys in the 60th minute. We yeah. need you to come on and, and finish this game.
0: Like well, in- We have,
1: we have our starters. You, you do your thing. And we know, Like we know what you can do. You're our starters, but our bench guys, we need you. Like we need you to come on and win this game. And they really value. They value the middle tier. They they value young people and they value the middle tier because people who are superstars, they know that. Everyone knows that. And they, but they just really value, you know, hard work and people that have determination to do something great and do the hard work. I guess. But I know every 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 team does that. Every team, I'm not gonna say other people don't do that. I just, that was my observation though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mate, totally fair, totally fair. And mm. you know, I wouldn't ask you to to bury anyone anyway. I can yeah. I can do I can do that for you.
1: <laughs> no, no, I've got no <laughs> I got I got no ill will against anyone. It's all good.
0: Um so I won't keep you too much longer. So you you went from there, COVID hit, so you ended up back in Australia. Yeah. So that that's why you came back, right? And you basically had the last year just training, setting your business up, yep. uh, finishing off your studies. That's the one. Yep. What's happening next? Can well, you say? Can you say? What's happening
1: next? Right now, I'm just trying to get my link up on my phone. That's why I'm looking away. So I'm growing <laughs> my hair for charity again. So you can can't.
0: You, so you can't. We'll talk about that in a sec. So you can't say what you're doing. You can't say what you're doing. Rugby was yet. Yeah?
1: Uh, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm doing something rugby was like, I don't think potentially I'm allowed to say anything yet. Okay. Fair,
0: fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we'll, mate, when you can say something, let us know. Let's just,
1: let's just say the dream's not over, but I, I, just, I can't I don't no, know, no, no, no. Well, look, say,
0: yeah. all I'll say, it, you've got a very exciting opportunity coming up and I will 100% be visiting you. Yes. T- tell me about the hair. Actually, sorry, okay. sorry, sorry, Quite sorry. It. Tell me about, tell me about what you've been doing down at, uh Glebe with some of the homeless people.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, cool. So I had a good ca- I had a good chat with actually someone before about this. And um it wasn't an argument, but it was sort of like a, are you doing this, you know, just to get clout? Are you doing this for clout? And the reasoning was like it's not for clout at all. It's um like I'm doing this. I was doing this anyway, but I feel like the awareness part of doing that is just people are gonna see it. And they're gonna think twice, you know, like about people who are in shit situations like that. So I've been training it. Uh, I keep pointing down there because it's down the road, but um, it's the the tram sort of the tram goes over these arches, yeah. And people live under the arches, and there's a few companies that look after the guys, so they're in really nice swags and stuff, as you can see on my insta.
0: What's the, What's the um, name of the, What's the name of the company?
1: I don't know what the one that does the, the swags, but the one I do is like it's a Glebe Youth uh, Center. I can put it up. I mean, I guess you could. put it Yeah, up. I'll I'll
0: look it up and we'll just fucking share the details when yeah. we when we post
1: this. But so that one that one is specifically for the youth of Glebe. So I live I've lived in Glebe for years now, and um, yep. they look after they look after them, um, food education, just get sorry, just get them off the streets. I live just down the road from a housing commission, and um, you know, every now and then it pops off like something happens down there, and so the, that company is about that. And um, so the backstory about the um, post on the Insta was that there's a rugby fields right next to the arches, And every time I run there, they're always under the arches. And there. You know, when I first went there, I'm like, Oh shit. You know, they're like, something's going to happen here. Like well, I don't want to leave my wallet around the goalpost. Like someone's going to take it. And there's just never been any issues. They always say hello. It's actually, they put a shower down at the end of the thing. So they go and have a shower. They come back. People, it's not just me doing it. People all the time come up with food. They come up with, um, you go to the gas station, you get a little ziploc bag, it has toothpaste and stuff, they give them out as well. And um so I was doing that for a little bit anyway, um, just as as I was running, and I just thought, well, you know, one day I'm just gonna just film it and you know, just get it out there. And actually I, I got the idea from uh a mate, Quake Cooper. I'm guessing everyone on the podcast will know who that is. Um he Boop. did that at, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he yeah. did he did that in Melbourne um when he first came down there. He uh, uh he went somewhere he went to a nice restaurant i think or something like that and had a bunch of food he was taking home and he just someone filmed him giving it to someone and that just popped off and everyone at the end of the awareness went wild for that so i just thought you know
0: Mate, well, it's, gonna, it's whatever reason yeah. you do whatever reason th- to do anything good it's a good enough reason do you know, do you know right, what i mean yeah. that's right like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think people should be judged for doing good things and you know you're clearly doing it for the right reasons and it can only be a good thing and like, one of the things I've learned from 2020 is that there's it's always a good enough reason to do good things.
1: Yeah, that's right. And yeah. if
0: people are struggling, let's help them out.
1: Yeah, that's right. Let's yeah. help them out. And there's a lot of them. A lot of there's them at a, the moment.
0: Mate, there's a lot of people struggling. Yeah. Um, tell me about your hair.
1: Yeah, so hair, I am just getting my thing so I can – I don't want to say the wrong place. But, um, I mean, if people are watching this, they want to look at my profile. It's on my bio, it's on my bio. But it's – um basically, I'm growing my hair – to cut it off to make a wig for, you know, a young child, yeah, boy or girl. Um, it's a variety, so hair with heart. It's called the variety charity. So it's got to get to uh, thirty centimetres. So back, quick backstory. When I was down in Melbourne, there's a place called uh, Mullets for the mullets for the kids, and um, there was a barber in Richmond where I was living, and I went down there and I kept cutting my hair in a mullet, and uh, the owners like you know, you keep coming coming in here in a mullet, like what's what's the go? And I'm like, oh, well, it was actually because of Liam Squire, <laughs> the New Zealand rugby player. I was like, I actually quite like his hair, so I, I want to do that. And he said, well, we've got this thing called uh, Mullets for the Kids, and all the AFL players actually do it. Um, shout out to Mullets for the Kids, look it up. And um, so I started doing that, and I was playing for Melbourne with a mullet the entire time. And then um, when COVID hit, I just sort of, I just stopped growing my, I just stopped cutting my hair, and it got a little bit wild. And so the back, the back is like, Past my shoulders because it was a mullet, and now the front is kind of like catching up to that. So when we get it to thirty centimeters, oh, I'm going to um, cut it off. They put it in little um, little sections, cut it off, send it away.
0: So is it an uh, auction, Is it something people auction for, or is it just a donation thing? Or can it, can other people get involved in this?
1: So you can donate money. Um, yeah. You can donate money. The um, but the the whole the sole purpose is for me to grow it and then give it off. Yeah, yeah, but but you can donate you definitely can donate money if you like cool but um the whole ass the whole thing about it is that i can grow it and then and and, you know and if there's money then then great
0: yeah 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 yeah. um
1: so that's the thing i've been doing so it's um it was really awkward because obviously the back was so long and the front was not long um but now i can uh you know i can pony it up a little bit which is cool
0: mate that's a that's a that's a win for you you're gonna have to grow that back after (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's oh well i mean i'm hopefully hopefully i don't cut it off and it you know come it grows back after i cut it off i'm worried about that but uh i will see how we go you get rogan mate, mate. rogan shout out rogan
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm almost at that point myself to be honest yeah um few more questions and it's just some rapid fire sort of stuff pure or one
1: oh what's the setting ah
0: so what's you're what's like me setting? It depends on the scenario uh, yeah. sa- uh saturday lunch with with me and the boys what are you drinking
1: uh probably having a i'm probably having a bob hawk one for the country i reckon
0: absolutely yeah. uh what coffee do you drink
1: i'm a coffee snob i used to dabble in piccolos now i'm, I'm actually as soon as i go to new zealand they got beautiful milk so i'm a flat white guy now
0: beautiful yeah. um do you listen to podcasts
1: uh yeah all the time joe rogan's number one obviously
0: yeah joe any, Rogan- any other ones you'd recommend
1: Um, I mean, I dabble with kind of everything at the moment. Um, Let me get back to you. There's a lot. I sort of, I dabble with Joe Joe a lot. I mean.
0: I'm similar to you. I listen to Joe mostly. And then just if something else picks my interest, I'll just go to that. I Uh, mean,
1: What what does he not talk about, you know? So yeah. Talks to
0: like astronauts and then talks to like, You know, Joey Diaz. (laughs)
1: Um, Oh, he's one of them, actually. He's probably number two, Joey, at the moment, yeah.
0: He's a cracker if no one... If you haven't heard of Joey Diaz, look him up. He's unbelievable. He's
1: had a good life, yep.
0: Uh, Favorite movie?
1: I'm not a movie guy. Yeah? Uh,
0: TV show? I'm
1: not a... Not a a TV guy? I'm not a TV guy. Like, I try try to... Just, I'm doing stuff. Let me think, let me
0: think. Yeah, Taf was the same. He's... Yeah, he's not not a real TV guy. What about like other Anything sports? sports? Anything sports. Yeah. yeah. What what other sports you like?
1: I love everything American, so I'm yep. a, I'm an NFL like massive nerd.
0: Seattle Seahawks.
1: I like the Seahawks. I'm trying like I <laughs> I try not to change every year. Right now I'm on Green Bay because I like. Shout out Pat McAfee's show. He's uh he's got Aaron yeah. Rodgers there. Yeah, look, I, he, he's yeah.
0: he's converted me to Aaron Rodgers as well.
1: Yeah, so he's converted me to Green Bay. Um, yeah, nah, NHL, NBA. Everything, American golf. I just got into my golf again. Um, May everything, everything sports.
0: Beautiful, mate. Uh, what advice would you give eighteen year old Hugh Roach?
1: What advice? I think stop taking yourself so seriously. Let go of any insecurities that you have about anything. Just be yourself. Um, just be happy. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. If you know, set yourself a goal. Work hard towards it, and uh, don't take yourself too seriously. Just get it done,
0: mate. That is a sensational way to finish. How can how can people find you online, my friend?
1: Online, I'm an Insta guy. So just my name, Hugh Roach. On uh, at I'm Hugh Insta, Roach at Hugh Roach on Instagram. Yeah, I'm an Insta guy. I don't do I don't, don't do I'm the twitters
0: a, or anything uh, like that.
1: I'm not a Twitterverse guy. Not a any of that stuff. Pure this one as well.
0: Pure athlete CBD. I will share Fine. the shit. I don't know. I sh-
1: I don't know I'll if that's sh- backwards, but anyway, you can find me there too.
0: I'll share the shit out of that once this is up. We'll um, a few beers on Saturday?
1: A couple. I've got a. Well, you know, I've got to. i got to fly out the next day to LA. I'm going to LA.
0: So you got you got to be home by three a.m.
1: Well, yeah. So I've got to be at the airport <laughs> at uh, what eight? So I can get home at seven, I think. I guess. Seven, seven <laughs> thirty. I'll get the driver out the front for seven thirty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, mate, thanks so much for doing this.
1: No, awesome, mate. That's been that's been good. I'm I think
0: I think we did good. I think we did good.